welcome to We Only Talk Hockey. We were off last week, but we're back with a lot of talking points and a lot of interesting thing things to get through. I'm Mike. Shane is on the other side. So Hello. let's let's dive in. Let's start with the Patrick Marlowe eclipsing Gordie Howe, which I didn't even know Patrick Marlowe was in the league this long. It kind of snuck up on all of us. But I guess like really one of the things that stood out, and I want to ask you because I have like my own thing, is what will you remember Patrick Marlowe Marlow for? Like, how will you remember him? So obviously as a shark, but, um, and the other things, he has been helpful. He was helpful for the Penguins for a couple of years when he went there. Um, but it's more leadership, I think, has been always what I've always seen him as. Um, and to add to the whole longest games, a really interesting thing is he's played with, I think it was a third at least a third of all players who have ever played in the NHL. Um, yeah. So played in a game with, so, <clears throat> or against. So, yeah, it's just, to me, that's insane. I know the NHL hasn't been around necessarily as long as some other leagues in full context, but still that's a third of the entire league is a huge number. Yeah. It's, it's crazy to think, that like I mean when you look at when he was drafted in 1997 and how long he's really how how many errors he's played through where the game has basically changed around him but he's been he's been consistent I think consistency is like a cliche thing to say about him I someone mentioned like this Cal like Cal Ripken comparisons where it's like the just being there consecutive games or just being an iron Iron Man, he hasn't played consecutively, but just being able to uh, play for the, such a long career. I I honestly see, I mean, I honestly see more of a, this almost like a Drew Brees comparison in the sense he was a player, he's he never won the Hart Trophy. He never really was, you could even say top three in the, in the voting, but he's always consistently a top player and has, and until recently when he's declined, in his in his play but he's been a top player for like throughout his career and just has been constantly a top player and yeah. that's like that's really what stands out another yeah. thing is you mentioned the calorican thing well yes he might not have played consecutively but overall i struggle to think of any major injuries he's had you know he's had injuries here and there especially as he's gotten older which happens but Throughout his career, he's not a kind of guy who missed a lot of time. Because um, there are other players who have been around since close to then. I think Chara was drafted in 90-something as well. Uh, a couple other players. So, but it's... I mean, you it, could actually... You could make the argument in terms of... in When mentioning Cal Ripken, is that this is more impressive because how much wear and tear the game takes on players where they only are on the ice for 20 minutes and they only can play a certain amount of games and it really requires just this and it's that's what makes it this more impressive where baseballs <laughs> and baseball yeah, is in a contact is, sport it, it doesn't wear you down as much it's it, it is impressive nonetheless to play 160 only very few players play 162 but that's a different note but the yeah it, it's just the the that's like that's part one that I remember. Part two is how how he was he's always been in the top tier. It, it kind of reminds me. I almost thought of what Austin Matthews could become if he never wins a Hart Trophy. But Austin Matthews probably will win one in the future. And I mean, it's kind of a, it's kind of an interesting topic that you can get in. We can get into maybe down the road. But uh but it's it's just something to bookmark on that. But uh, I guess shifting gears in the West a little bit. Uh, so I mean, let's let's start with with the top three teams clinched. We'll get we'll get to the teams in detail. Vegas is hot. The Avalanche are hot right now. That are and the Wild are also rolling a little bit. So who do you? I guess I'll ask you who do you see making the playoffs in the final spot? It's really two teams. You could say if the Sharks just win out, they could be the third team. But like I mean, the fourth team, but that gets in, but it's really between the blues and the avalanche. Who are you, who, who would you take? Between you mean Arizona? Um, I meant that coyotes. Yeah. Sorry. Honestly, St. Louis. Um, 
there was a stretch there, admittedly, where they looked nothing like themselves. But they look good. <laughs> they don't look like a top competing team. I don't necessarily see them winning a series, but they do look like a playoff team. Um, my, note, my note on the Blues is if if ask me what day of the ask me depending on what week you ask me is what I'll believe the Blues are a playoff team or not. They literally go seven in a row <laughs> losing, then they win three in a row, then they lose three in a row. They're back on a three game winning streak. It's yeah, it, it's yeah. hilarious how they're like they, that. Uh, but the they, another thing is they've got three, they're three points up on Arizona. They've mm-hmm. got two games in hand on Arizona. And their plus minus is significantly better. I know a lot of people don't like that statistic, but as a consistency sake, I personally like that statistic because it means even if you go on a losing streak or whatever, like they did, they went on a seven game losing streak and yet they only have a negative seven differential, which means most of those games were pretty overall. The average is pretty close, which means yeah, they are a fringe playoff team who, depending on the night, you know, it can go one way or the other. They're not might be blowing depending people on the week out. Almost also. Yeah, they're not blowing people out, but they're not getting blown out. While Arizona seems like a much more erratic team where when they win, they win. But when they lose, they lose. <laughs> I think, you know, I think with. I think with the Coyotes, this is interesting because you really, you really don't. It's really hard to tell what they do, what they, what they're very good at. In the sense, like between Antiranta, Darcy Kemper, it's like is their goaltending group a great group or even a good, uh, like a great, a good enough group? You couldn't, you wouldn't really be able to tell. Then you go like Jacob Chikrin is good on both ends of the ice. He's a young defenseman, uh, but other than that, like you really like their defensive unit isn't really that good. And besides for like Phil Kessel, Clayton Keller, like a few guys on the offensive end, you really can't think of, they don't, they don't do anything really well. And they, I kind of, I kind of agree with you when I think the blues are going to make the playoffs because uh, let's start, I mean, with Colorado, with the, with the coyotes, they're going to get in if the blues really, really blow it because they don't do anything really specifically well. And likewise, the blues, like yeah, their back end, both offensively and defensively, has struggled. And also, Jordan Binnington's a great goal, playing really well. But their backup, Ville Husso, has been a liability. It just it's there's no other way around it. Yeah. Uh, it, the yeah, the Blues. I have to agree that they're the team that is is too talented to not get yeah. into the playoffs. They should make it. it you like, know, they're the team that like yeah, they should be the team that makes it. You, you look at. Their their like their defense. You look at Tory Krug, Marco Scandella, Justin Falk, those three, and you're like, their defense is talented enough to at least make the playoffs based on those three. The back end has struggled, but those three can get you in. Offensively, Ryan O'Reilly, like you look at some of those pieces and you're like, they should be better than this like inconsistent team, but they but they're the they they are the fourth best team. Like like when you when you think about it. I mean, they, they beat. Who would I rather play? You know what I'm saying? I would rather, as a team, if I were a team, I would rather play Arizona than, uh, I would rather play Arizona than St. Louis on any given night. And I think that's really what matters. Yes, they have these slumps and these stretches of weirdness, but any given night, I would prefer to play Arizona. Yeah. I think, I think also on that, on that note, like, like if you're, I mean, you want to get the between Colorado and Vegas, who are really the two teams that are fighting for that one seed in the West. You really want to get that one seed just because you don't want to play play the Wild, which we'll get to in a second. But at the same time, you really hope you don't have to play Jordan Bennington seven games in the playoffs because we saw what happened in 2019. As much as I think we could doubt the Blues are a are a playoff team this year, just because after those two those top two lines on the off on the offensive end i mean the third line jordan kairu has been playing well as young piece on the offensive end but after those two lines it's a huge drop off after the the set, the first pairing defensively it's a drop off and they're a team that that when depth carries they are, they, they don't have that depth so i so there, there's that fight for that one seed with this in mind between these two teams. In a long playoff, like a seven-game series, not these small two-game whatever, 
injuries are going to happen. They happen every year in the playoffs to some teams. It, it happens to every team has some injuries, but some get hit or worse. I think, as you mentioned, their depth isn't great and they're very susceptible to those injuries. I think one key injury for the blues in that series would essentially make the rest of the series much, much easier. I don't think, I think they have the ability to compete. Like they beat the wild, they've beat Colorado, they've beat Vegas. It's, it's their, you know, their consistency isn't there. And I don't think they'd win any against any of those teams in seven games, but a single injury. And I think it becomes a, you know, a sigh of relief necessarily. Uh, to, to whoever they're playing yeah and i mean yeah they they beat they beat the wild today it just looked like that the wild were just going to route them early on but like they just came back they were able to win that game and they kept their they kept their streak alive they're hot now maybe in a week from now we're going to be like now nah, the the blues can't make the playoffs it's the, it's the coyotes to, to to lose but for now it's theirs and I, I think I it's that, theirs to lose because they have the extra games. But um, the question, the, the thing is, they are very capable of losing it. We have seen that season. They yeah. are very capable of losing it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's true. I mean, so anyway, uh, I mean, yeah. So let's, I guess let's, let's try to talk about that third team that just clinched the playoff spot in the wild. And I mean, one of the things that really stands out for me, I and mean, we talked about the blues depth the wild what intrigues me about the wild is they have a they have three goal scorers 24 years old in kevin fiala joel erickson and kareel kaprizov who's really been incredible to watch he's been amazing we'll get to him in a minute but (laughs) it's incredible to watch like how how he how he's able to one find open space in front of the net to get those, get those one timers, get those shots similar to like when you watch Ovechkin play or Austin Matthews, where they just have the instincts to get in front of the net, get those open shots. Kirill Prizov has that. The other thing he's sorry. One second. He's also got this skill level and he's young, but he's not super young because he wasn't drafted early. So it's not like he's just coming out, you know, he's played AHL for a while. He's played in Russia, but the thing that gets me is he makes these veteran defenders look like old men with broken legs on the ice. I don't know if you saw it the other day. He had the phenomenal He literally made a dude fall on his ass. <laughs> it was, it was spectacular, but the it, other thing, go it, ahead. He's also just, it's that he's, he, he has that speed also, which really, which really just grabs your attention. And and really, it makes you make them harder, single-handedly harder to prepare for. But I think it's very interesting because, like, when I think about the Wild, I think about Kirill Kaprizov, and I think about, uh, I think about him. But primarily, from a from how the team is built, I look at two things. I look at one, how they they have those twenty-four-year-old that trio of twenty-four-year-old scorers, but then a big fall off. I mean, you have like you have a few players who are playing all right offensively but it's a big drop off after that and then the other thing I started to think about is how their defense is kind of played well and Cam Talbot has been surprisingly good this year I didn't I didn't realize it until I watched I mean this recent game I watched against the Blues in the Wild like he was just I mean he allowed he blew the lead but had a great had had made those key saves. He's been playing well, which is surprisingly surprisingly well considering his track record as as when he's being when he's called upon to be the starting goaltender. But I wanted to figure out what your take on the Wild really is. So before we get that, I I wanted to point out, and I I think this is a little understated because of their young core, but I think Zuccarello. And I know a lot of people are going to disagree and just say he's an old guy or whatever. I think, I think his production hasn't necessarily been the reason, but I do think, I think his presence has really helped. Uh, I don't know if you see it as well, but just on the ice, the way they, I just see Zuccarello there as, you know, he's not the greatest player, but you know, he, I think his role is very important, but on the team as a whole, um, they got a good young goaltender, but he's very young, so that he he's is like, yeah, he is very, so he is likely to that. And having 
Talbot play as well as he had is a very good thing for them. Kind of how they were hoping, how the Capitals were hoping to do with. Uh, um, yeah, I think I think there's so much to like dive into with with that. Yeah. But with that situation, we'll get there but, later. Um, yeah, I I, with, I think yeah, the they wild, could beat Colorado. I don't think they could beat Vegas. It's it's just that's why I think it's such a fight for that one seed is that you don't especially the that's another thing that really stands out as how well the wild have played at home and particularly Vegas has actually struggled to win in Minnesota. I think since their franchise has been brought into existence, they've like won a hand, a handful, if not less, uh, like a very my few amount of game number of games there. And it's, it's just really, it's crazy to think about their home road split. It's very similar to think about like how the blues are just have these splits, like in top line versus back end. But that's the other interesting thing is, is can they, I mean, they can pull off a first round upset. How far they can go just considering how well they play at home and how well they are at certain aspects of the game. I don't, I don't see them beating both. That's my thing. I think they could make that first round, and I'm assuming the team that had the top seed is going to beat the Blues or Arizona. Anything can happen. It's the NHL playoffs. Columbus Blue Jackets swept the President Trophy Tampa Bay Lightning a couple of years ago. Yeah. But I think they could win. I think it would be a close round that first round, whoever they play. And I think they could pull it off. I don't see them having the, the experience necessarily to beat the other team like if they beat Colorado I don't see them beat Vegas and vice versa um, but one thing to note is something that was troubling to me a couple weeks ago um, and from March was their road record had been bad uh, I think March yeah. until a certain point they were three six and three on the road from the first of March till I think right before the trade deadline of the 12th since then they though they have they were on a seven game win streak till they lost tonight, but they had won four out of those seven were road games. Granted two against Arizona, one against the Kings and one against so and Jose, but still it, I think it shows that yeah. they have the ability. It's not like a crippling weakness on the road. I would say they're an, they're an, they're an intriguing team in the sense that if, yeah, if they do play Vegas or Colorado in the first round, that if they could steal a game, then they could feel very comfortable uh, at playing home. at home, yeah, those three games and or whatever how how it works like that. But I mean, I, when I look at the the Wild, their big concern on the ice is really when you play in the playoffs or when you play good teams, they they can eliminate those top lines. They can they can limit what Kirill Kaprizov likes to do or how he likes to find goals. This is like with every team and they're going to need to find goals in those third line, those fourth line unit units. And I mean, I don't see, I don't see how they can, I don't see right now how they're going to be able to find that production. And that's the, that's Long the term. Concern. That that's the thing. That's yeah. why I said they could make a run of it. If they take steal a game one or a game two in whatever city they're playing, Colorado or Vegas, whatever it be. Mm-hmm. And I could see them sweeping at home, but I even find that a little hard to believe. I personally think they might need to win two on the road to pull out a series, which would be very difficult in either of those cities because Vegas is usually a hard place to play. But during the playoffs, it is a crazy atmosphere, and it has been every year since I came into the league. Um, Colorado, they've been, you know, every year it's been, ah, we've got it. It's our year. So I think, you know, they can, their city is like behind them. And so I, I do agree. I think their depth might become an issue. And I think the inexperience of their core, uh, might be an issue long-term. Yeah. That's why I said I could see them pulling an upset, but I can't see them pulling two. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, I kind of agree. Like, I they're 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 just going to be an intriguing team to like be able to see if they can knock off one of those teams. I think, and they're fun to watch. Is. You know, they're yeah, fun to watch, I, and it's fun to watch the future. Because one more thing about Kapil Kaprizov, he has twenty plus goals this year. Uh, the exact number slips my mind. I think it's twenty or twenty one. Um, so it's it's twenty two. My bad, but um. He's on a pace 
that for a rookie, no matter the age of the rookie is kind of ridiculous, you know, in a regular season, probably most certainly, you know, would have a 30 plus goal year, which for a rookie is great for anyone is great. You know, if you have more than two 20 plus goal scorers, it's considered like you've got a good offensive team, you know? So he, his ability there is very good. And I think to, in the future, that's going to be, he's going to be, he's going to become a very big player. Um, He's, he's going to have a, yeah, he's going to be great in the future. It's very interesting to put goals into context this year. I guess that kind of leads me to just a quick question. Like as we shift to North division is to put into context, Connor McDavid's he's now got 83 points on the season. Put that into context for a 56 game season, yeah. which he's played 47 games so far to put that into context. Of an be Nikita game season. Yeah. I think he would this year had this year been a full year. I think that there's a very good likelihood he would have beaten the modern era record, which most people considered to like early to like early 2000s or whatever of Nikita Kucherov when he had a hundred and what was it a couple of years ago? 30 I mean, or something. It was the year that the lightning won, like what had the president's trophy. I don't yeah, remember, but I can't, remember. it was like 130 something. I think he could beat that. Honestly, there's a chance that he gets to a hundred this year in 56 games. It'd be yeah. hard, but what he's at 80. Would you say 84, 83? He had 83 two assists right tonight, which brought him to 83, so. which, which leaves him with 17 in nine games, which for him is yeah. not ridiculous, especially because he's had, He's like I think he was at seventy like three games ago. Yeah, he, he he had the hat trick game. Yeah, he had the five point hat trick game or whatever. And so like I remember I got like a notification and then two days later I got another one that he hit eighty. But so I think it's very possible. I don't necessarily know if he will or not. Um, but that would be crazy in not even necessarily two thirds of a full season, close to two thirds of a full season he would be getting over a hundred points. It's generally considered a benchmark for like a heart trophy in a a normal year. Like a hundred points is considered, if you're a hundred points, you're in the heart trophy conversation every year. And to get them 56 games, that's why I think the heart trophy race has completely finished at this point. I think it's, it's so crazy. That's, this is one of the things that I think about with McDavid's milestone, which we're all going to like, we're all going to be rooting, I think for that, uh, him to hit a hundred, except for the question is whether the Oilers want to play him, like try to play him out the season is one of the things I thought about with that in mind is how Austin Matthews is having his best season and won't be able to win the heart trophy. He won't be because McDavid, not, not, he won't McDavid won't win the triple crown because he won't have as much goals as Austin Matthews, as many goals, but the 100 points, if he cl- eclipses that, that it's hands down, he wins. The, yeah, he wins you, the it's unanimous. You can't give it. I know, I know Matthews is probably going to win the Rocket Richard this year, but I'm sorry. Yeah. You can't win the, if, if a dude scores 156, 100 points in, 100, in, in 56 games. I, I'm sorry. Like a couple weeks ago, I think I said, I thought it was going to be McDavid and you would have to see Matthews uh, get the point total because even though goals are probably more valuable when it comes to the heart trophy, it's usually considered goal secondary almost to total points, which I get, but like there are years where guys blow out the scoreboard on goals, but they don't necessarily as as many assists. And so they're like, nah, we're going to give it to the guy who's got, 20 more assists I mean, which are easier even, to get <laughs> even ignoring the numbers i think this is the first year that i think we're really recognizing that austin matthews is a top five player if not top three in the league we're usually in most years we kind of say like oh crosby ovechkin mcdavid and then you go nikita kucherov nathan mckinnon you kind of you kind of get the point with the list like for there's the last a list of couple years for the last couple of years i do think he's been in that conversation but i also think there's been a big giant asterisk by his name by not being able to beat boston i think every year it's oh he's great he's great he's top of the class and then they he falls apart in the playoffs um against boston in particular and everyone's like yeah you know kind of thing and i think this year just the way he's played it overall and you know he has played fairly decent competition it's i think 
some of that is starting to go away. Granted, we'll have to see what on earth happens in the playoffs because that perception happens every year and then we get to the playoffs and everyone's like, eh, maybe not. So... I guess, I guess it kind of leads us like, I think part of what is helping is that the Lightning have been that consistent team at the top of the North division. And I think with Austin Matthews, we finally get to see the Lightning uh, winning. winning. You mean the like Leaf? The, you mean the Leafs? I meant, ugh, the, yeah, the Maple Leafs. Uh, yeah, I was thinking Nikita Kucherov. But anyway, uh, they're, they're leading the division. They've been the uh the class the division throughout the season the majority of the season and we're finally getting to see austin matthews lead the team be like the the main cause of their success in the past they were usually second but probably third in the division with tampa at one and boston at two what it's been for several years and so then i guess guess as as we i guess as we like head into the playoffs like what are your concerns with Toronto, with the Maple Leafs, as they head over head into the playoffs, I think I think it's interesting. We'll get to the Jets in a second, but like the Maple Leafs, Jets, a lot of these teams are struggling late in the season in certain categories, which make you concerned. Ironically, the Senators have looked like one of the better teams in the North now, just because they're trying to play out the season with the young guys, see what they have. But yeah. uh, so I that is one of my things. Toronto, the last couple weeks, last whatever, they are winning the division. Uh, I don't see, even though Edmonton is only seven points back with two games in hand, I it, maybe if Toronto keeps on the way they're going, they haven't been bad necessarily, but they have not been great the last two weeks or so. And it could open the door for them having to play Winnipeg first and then necessarily Edmonton. And I think that would be a scary situation for them. If they fall to two, okay. I think they may be in trouble. Um, Cause at uh, the jets are a very physical team, a very, you know, and then Edmonton after they're all tired and worn down from the jets, Edmonton has some physical ability, but can also then blow by them kind of thing. And yeah. so I think I think we've seen recently just because particularly Jack Campbell who came out red hot to start the season I mean with his 10 first 10 starts or 11 starts after that it you started to see the goaltending drop off Frederick Anderson has struggled Jack Campbell hasn't been as as good and you start to see things that could become concerning if they play Winnipeg the Oilers they even if they, I mean, the Canadians look like the team that is going to make it. Yeah, as it's the a final six, team. It's a six-point differential. Uh, differential at this point, I don't see Calgary pulling anything out of their hat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess like yeah, there's just you just see like there are potential concerns. I mean, yeah, the only other team aside for the Canadians would be the Vancouver Canucks, which I think personally, just on the Canucks note, is that they got is that they're back which is like if they can finish the season like which like where are where i'm at like that's going to be impressive for them considering how many players are on the COVID list considering how i think jt miller uh was it jt i think it was their captain or jt miller was like listen like we're not thinking about hockey right now we're just thinking about like i mean we're just thinking about getting back and like to finish the season is already going to be impressive for them and then if they can make the playoffs that would be more impressive I don't see them making the playoffs. Like I get yeah, that they have, I, mean, they... I get that they have, what is it? Five games in hand on Montreal, but they're also in last place in the division right now, 10 points behind. They would have to essentially win outright all of those uh, five games that they have in hand and then win a majority of the other ones. I, I don't see that happening. I don't see them good enough to win like 70%. 80% of their remaining games, if not more. Yeah. I mean, it, it would, I mean, it would be insane if, they, I mean, they just came back and beat the Maple Leafs twice. It was, it was incredible to watch that. I was like, that was really exciting to see them back. And then like to, to win that, the win that first game back was really special. I think, uh, I guess like the last note really on the North division is when you look at the Jets, when they lose Nikolai Ehlers for the season, I guess my question is, I already like, 
and like like just watching how he played the season and watching the Jets offense, I'm wondering how bad you think this is for them, especially as the playoffs are around the corner. I think it's an issue. Um, I I didn't, but I don't think it's a season determinant issue, and I'll explain that. I didn't think they were going to win the division, like outright make it out of the division in the playoffs, regardless. So I don't think that changes that. I don't think they fall off enough to hit that four spot or fall out of the playoffs. Uh, I don't think they had the ability, regardless, to move up past Edmonton long term. And this cements that. Um, so I don't think it changes their outlook, like their what I personally believe their outlook is. But for people who did think they were fringe ability to make it out of the division, I say I would say that does drop them down. That most people I would say at this point think they're not going to beat both the Oilers and Vancouver or one or the other, depending on if something crazy happens, but the one in four seeds. But um, so to me, it doesn't change their outlook, but I think to a bunch of people who did think, you know, they had a chance to make it out of the division. It definitely takes that away. So, yeah, I think, I think they still had, this is the thing. I think they still have a chance because we've seen how Connor Hellebuck can play in the, in the playoffs. And we've seen, and we've we've seen how, uh, I mean, their their team has changed over uh, a lot, a decent amount over the years. But I think the big thing was the, the big thing for them. This is why I think it hurts them is because they were a team that really capitalized on scoring on the back end, scoring in those third, fourth lines, and Nikolai Ehlers was a player that really just kind of broke out this year and had it and added to that to the top two lines where you have Blake Wheeler, you just have all, they, they had all these pieces, all these skaters just finding open shots, finding goals and they had losing scoring guy. depth. And I think they've yeah. lost some of that. And, and I think for them to, they don't have the top guy like Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews and to lose that yeah. depth, I think takes away their serious chance. I mean, it, it, it absolutely does. And that's what, that's what I think that concern is Uh, because they, because they had that scoring depth that I think you could actually make the argument. They had that where Toronto doesn't or Edmonton doesn't, but they had, and they still have that to an extent, but losing was 17 goals, 18 goals, something in that range, maybe even 20 goals uh, that Ehlers gave you. And also just losing that production on the offensive end. He was it's, already at 21 goals. Oh, 21. Yeah. Like that's, it, it's hard to replace. I mean, just from the stats, I mean, from stats, you say like, yeah, 20 goals hard to replace, but watching him on the edge, just fine. Just the way he worked with those in those top lines, it's just hard to replace that. And that it's going to be interesting to see uh, what they, what they do moving forward. So all right, so let's let's shift into the East Division, I guess, a bit. Uh, and there's really, there's really like, uh, there's three teams really that just stand out to talk about. So, uh, so the three teams that's that stand out uh, are the Capitals, the Islanders, and the Penguins. I I guess let's let's start with the. Islanders and the and the Capitals. What were your takeaways from that series? Sorry, um, this affirmed something that I had been thinking for a couple weeks. But because of how close the Islanders and Capitals were in points, and the way the game, the most recent games before these three had gone, um, I didn't really feel fully comfortable in that opinion. Is the Islanders are a very, very good defensive team. One of the, I would say one of the better overall, overall defensive teams in the league. But their scoring ability, even with Andersley, but especially since they lost Andersley, a lot of their games are going to be close. Like you've seen, what was it, three or four out of the Capitals uh, Islanders game throughout the season were one point games. Three of them were one nothing games. The Islanders won one and then the Capitals won the shootout one this week and the reg and the regulation one Oh game. And 
there's where I think their issue comes in. And I thought this for a while, but it hadn't been shown to any great degree, but they can keep games close. But I think overall of a seven game series, they don't have the firepower to win four out of seven close games. And they don't always keep it close. They're, they have a decent number of weird standouts where like the 6-3 game, the second game, the yeah. Capitals, um, they have these weird standouts where they let up goals and bunches. And I just think in a seven-game series, those two things together are going to make it very hard for them. You know, if they got the number one seed, I would have been, may ha- had a different whatever. But at this point, it really doesn't look like they have much of a shot at that one seed right now. I think if yeah, we would have seen after the trade deadline, the depth of the offense step up and become a formidable unit. I think we would have we would have agreed. Yeah, the Islanders are a team to really fear. I there were a few takeaways I had from the series. I think the first when you mentioned those games where it's like six to three or whatever is once the Islanders, particularly if Ilias when Ilias Rokin's in net, once they bend defensively, they break and like once like it's not necessarily bend and break but really like once you can once you find the back into that early on and once you like get that early one nothing or two nothing lead you can just uh pile on the goals and then it becomes ugly yeah my my big takeaways i guess here's the two i guess i'll start with the first takeaway i had from this from the three game series is yeah the islanders the Islanders don't have that scoring depth and it's going to continue to cost them until they figure out their, they have to really figure out their lines, but they don't have that scoring depth, which is going to help that, which is, which is what they need for a playoff run. I mean, they brought in Kyle Palmieri, they brought in Travis Ajak, but they just don't know where to put them. And that's the, and that's just a big problem when yeah. you're considering Barry Trotz, to... Barry Trotz before the other game, he said, he's like, it's a Rubik's cube, man. I'm just shuffling crap around at this point. Um, I think another big thing is going to be, yes, their depth, but I think that's emphasized by the top team, by the Capitals, especially, and also the Penguins. They have that top firepower, which the Islanders don't, and they have depth. The Capitals have, I think two or three guys in their bottom six who have scored more than 10 goals, um, which in a normal season is okay. You generally want those 20 goals, but in a regular length season, that would probably be, they'd have a couple there. And so having that top power and that depth ability, I think is something the Islanders can't over time compete with. I think that's another, that's a side thing that kind of stood out is, yeah, you, I, like, I think Connor Sheary scored four or three, three or four goals in this series alone. Sprong, and hit, Sprong who or, took over for Sprong. Ovechkin when he, Sprong, who was on that top line the last two games when Ovechkin was out yeah. because of some weird lower body thing, because the NHL doesn't tell us what the injuries are. <laughs> um, uh, he scored, and granted, it's been mainly against the Islanders. This this kid is insane when playing the Islanders. Um, he has 10 goals or 11 goals at this point in the season. I think six or seven of them have come against the Islanders. He had a two-goal game that first game uh, that he played the second game of the three games, and he had a, and he had the one and only goal in the uh, in the Tuesday night game. So he he eats the. Uh, the Islanders for, for breakfast, but no, he has their d- numbers. Yeah. But yeah, they're I think, go ahead. Yeah. But I, I think that overall, like you look at this, I mean, the six, three game really does feel like the outlier because, but you just see how the, how the capitals were able to find goals in the third line, the fourth line, just continuously piling on the goals. And that's just something that the Islanders don't have. I think is, is really that that's the first takeaway. I guess the second takeaway, I think we can talk more in depth about this, is what I kind of saw is how the Capitals were, one, able to play defensively, and two, how their goaltending has just gotten better as the season has gone on. And I think Peter Laviolette said it's an open competition. We, we need to see who's going to be our starting goaltender for the playoffs. And initially, I'm like, oh, this, how serious is that? And then you watch how Sam Sonov played, how, Vanitech, how Vanacek's been playing recently, how both of them, have, especially Sam Sonov playing recently, and you're like, yeah, this is the actual competition, especially how they played against the Islanders. And that's really 
the second thing that stood out from so, from this series. So I've kind of thought this all year. They're both young. They're both really young yeah. goalies. Um, I think actually Ilya's actually younger. And they have these weird games, you know, they have these weird six goal game, you know, kind of things. Yeah. And that happens. They're rookies. They're young. Ilya is not technically a rookie. Um, so you have those and it could be costly, but as you've seen this season go along, especially for Ilya, who did not play the first, what was it? 14 games of the year, something like that. I think it was 13 or 14 games in a row. He didn't he play was close to a month from on, on the COVID list. I think. Yeah. He played the first two opening games and then he was out for, I think 13 or 14 games straight, uh, if not more. And so, but since he's been back, he's progressively got like early on, he was good, you know, he, and he had flashes of spectacular, but he's gotten, and this is one of the things I originally thought they brought in. Uh, what's his name? Wow. This is embarrassing. Monkfest. Yeah, sorry. All night I've been blinking on his name. I think that was one of the reasons they brought him in was try yeah, to have sim- him a similar style of play. Yeah, it's a similar about. style of play and try to have him gain more consistency with that hyper athletic style of play. And I think you've seen that as the years gone along, he's not making as many boneheaded. Um, oh, I can Let's do see. this. I've got the athleticism. I can make it. You know, kind of thing. His fundamentals are being raised. Vanacek is more fundamentally sound, I would say, but he doesn't have the ability to make certain saves. Um, I just think he doesn't have the speed, the quickness, the whatever to make certain saves that you, that Ilya can. And I, and what Laviolette, not only did he say it's an open competition because that's, I don't think the bigger point of it. I think the bigger point of those statements was that they're actually going to make a decision. Because a lot of people for the last couple months have thought, oh, they're going to go into the playoffs the way they've gone all year, tandem it. And this week, he yeah. before the games, he came out, okay, before Ilya played that second game, those two games in a row, he came out and he was like, we have, to, we are going to essentially said, we are going to make a decision as to who the starter is. And they haven't really had a defined starter this year since Ilya came back. And so I think, I think that's I think a big thing. He's going to probably pick, he's going to pick one goaltender. I would, I would lean right now towards Samsonov being the, the lead person. And then Vanacek splitting like once in a while coming in to start a game when Samsonov. Yeah. I don't tired. think it's, yeah. I don't think it's going to be Samsonov playing five out of the seven. Like I think it could be like a four out of the seven games or a five out of the seven games, but it will be a, and this is one thing why their defense has at times seemed a little inconsistent. There are times where their defense looks great and there are times where yeah. they look like fish in a barrel. And I think a little bit of that has come from the very drastically different styles of play of the goalies. If they had similar styles of play, it wouldn't be as big of an issue, but their styles are so opposed that it's an adjustment figuring out, okay, today we have to play more like this today. We can play more like that kind of thing. I think, I think also the defense, that's kind of like why I'm watching this Islander series, why the defense played so well is they had no problem. And this is part of when I always think about bringing Zidane and Ochara. They have no problem roughing up, roughing up scorers. They have no problem getting into Barzell's head, getting to Brock Nelson's head, basically saying we we have no problem. If you get into offense zone, if you have the puck in the zone, we have no problem hitting you. We have no problem forcing you to be uncomfortable getting open shots and the Capitals defense isn't necessarily good, but if they I think can, it's good, I don't think it's great talent now, you know, they have, I, they have, they have the talent when you include ju- how Justin Schultz has played, when you include how Brendan Dillon has played this season and then adding on today in Ochara, I, I think it's, it's interesting. Cause like, there are situations where you wonder like, Oh, how will they play on the odd man rush? How will they play on these situations? And it kind of, it kind of leads me into like what I wonder when they're about to play the penguins in a very important series is how that defense is going to play. And I guess, I guess I should ask you, I guess I should ask you kind of like shifting gears a bit is let's first start with saying, uh, because like, there's two points with the penguins is how, what do you expect to see in this series against the penguins? like from the capitals um from the capitals well first i would like to say it's close i don't know who's gonna win the penguins after playing the capitals this week have a much easier schedule the capitals still play boston i think they play they have a much tougher schedule let's leave it at that um for who's gonna get the top record at the end of the year yeah right now the capitals are up by one point and have a game in hand 
mm-hmm. um, which I personally view as two points that I just always split those games in hands until they happen. Um, and so I think the biggest thing here is going to be because they played the Islanders and swamped them, but the Islanders don't have the guy, you know, kind of thing. Penguins most certainly have the guy. My question they is: also, They also have a top line, I think, where yeah. you have you include Brian Rust, include Jake Ensel. They have a top line where the cat, the Islanders don't. Yeah. yeah. So my biggest thing that I think I'm going to watch is one. Um, I, I think it's going to be the uh, the special teams. Obviously, you always got to watch, but particularly that that shorthanded uh, the uh, penalty kill because I do think they get the themselves. Capitals, so capitals have the best like power play unit second best in the any second best but so that yeah that's also something let me let me finish about the the the, because the penguins power play is very good it might not have the best numbers but that power play is very good and it is instant kill kind of good you know it can look like oh we've got them contained we're good whatever we're at a minute and 40 seconds into the into the kill and two seconds later you're like what the hell just happened and so i think the uh, how their penalty kill which is also good it's also in the top 10 i think it's seven right now it's been fluctuating between like seven and nine throughout most of the season um I think how they respond, I think might make the difference. If their penalty kill can do, can play well, you know, mid eighties percentage wise, they have a good chance. Cause even though I think the penguins have very good top, I don't, other people do, but I don't particularly see their depth as threatening. Um, I think they have good depth. I don't think it's threatening kind of. Um, well, I think that's kind of where they brought in, they brought in Jeff Carter because they really they wanted to add to that depth uh, with that in mind saying like, Oh, we might have that concern scoring, but yeah, yeah, I I think they have, I think they have a decent depth. I like their depth is much better than the likes of other teams that are going to be in the playoffs, but I don't, I I would say, I don't think it scares Washington. Like they're like, they're like, okay, we got to watch it, but it's not, okay, we got a game plan for it. Very particular, you know, the focus is going to be on Crosby and especially with Malkin out. If Malkin was still in, I don't know when he comes back or if he is going to, but if Malkin still isn't in by the time playoffs come around, I think that's going to be something because normally with the Penguins, you would have to think about both lines very, very strongly. Their top and second line extremely strongly. I don't necessarily – I think you can put a little more focus to that Crosby line um, where you would normally have to split your focus. And so that's where I think their depth is going to be things. So from the Penguins, that's so what I'm going to be looking at is how their it's depth actually responds. Interesting. It's actually interesting because one of the things I wrote down is for uh, for how these teams – what I'm going to be watching out for in this series is, is depth on both teams because I think – I think both I think both teams know are coming in into this game a well aware Crosby Ovechkin yeah I mean we've we've heard cancel about out teams. you know you know it's not like they cancel out each other the, the teams are preparing they know that they got to eliminate those top lines and like the Capitals have had scoring throughout their lineup which is I think gives them that extra advantage but the Penguins particularly Chris Letang Cody CC uh you look at how Brian Dumoulin's played. The, they're going to try to take away the top, the top line. They're going to try to take away those top scores. Depth is a cliche. Yeah. Depth for both teams. Very important. Both but, ends of the ice. Uh, so here's an added point to that thing. is, as I mentioned, I have concerns about the Penguins depth offensively, mm-hmm. defensively. That's what I'm looking for. And the Capitals defense is because I do think, the the penguins defensive depth is better than a lot of people think and so how they respond to the opposite depth i think is going to be a key the penguins yeah that's actually interesting how the penguins have played on the back end defensively this year it's really taken people but taken me by surprise and also how their goaltending duo tristan jari casey dismith has played that's a different note but but the second thing on you mentioned the capitals defense is I think this is a complete contrast to how the Islanders play offensively. And this is very, this is what, what I find very important about this series is the Penguins 
are very good in speed and very good in creating Ottoman rushes. I think what's very different is the Capitals are able to force the Islanders into chip and chase games, playing along the boards, playing uncomfortably, and not afraid to hit. With with this series, I think if, if they if they can get into issues, if they can't keep contain Crosby or contain Brian Rust on on the odd man rushes in speed, uh, uh, just out skating them, I that's the big thing that I think can can that I'm gonna be that I'm watching out for is to see those situations fall play out. Yeah, and back to the goalies for just a second before we move on to the. Uh before we move on to the central division is that's one reason I agree and say, I think they're going to go with Samsonov because maybe they play the Islanders, but the Islanders out of the two other, three other teams in the division, I think are the weakest on odd man rushes and speed game. I think Boston has a very good speed game. I think the Penguins have a very good speed game. And so I think that's going to overall be a little more important. And against those odd man rushes, I think Ilya performs better. Uh, obviously the athleticism, but like you saw in the Islanders game, they actually did let up quite a few uh, odd man rushes. And he had a couple beautiful uh, breakaway uh, saves. And I just think, and he was, he played really well in the shootout. And I just don't see Vanacek having necessarily that ability. Like I saw some goal, some saves in that game. And I'm like, yeah, that's going in if it's Vanacek, you know, kind of thing. And so that's why I think it's going to go that way, but it's going to be a very interesting series to watch. Uh, yeah. And I think it, the only reason I don't say, I think it decides the division is because of the strength of schedule remaining. So I think even yeah. if the Capitals sweep it and are up by, uh, what would it be? It would be five points with a game in hand. Um, I could see the Penguins coming back with their strength of schedule, you know? So they kind of yeah. snuck. They kind of snuck up in this in, in the first place because they just had the Devils, which is consecutive, continuous games. They had the Saber Sabers were able to pound pound the pound those opponents and. Just all of a sudden, it's like, wait, they're in first place. I actually thought they were in third for a long time, and they were. They actually it, were. No, they were in third. They were in third yeah. until this week. They went from third to first, which is funny. I thought that could happen if like the Capitals and Islanders split the series, but they didn't. And the Penguins leapfrogged them. Granted, they played more games. They had that game in hand, so there yeah. there were days like for a couple hours, like up until Sunday, like uh, Tuesday when they played, like. A couple hours in the day on Tuesday, they were ahead of the Capitals for like, and then they won, and it was okay. They're back on top, and then since then the Penguins played again, and so they hopped back on top. But right now the Capitals are up by one point. And I think I think that kind of like when I, when I think about this, what this upcoming series is going to be, I think yeah, well, like it's just going to be exciting to watch. Like a lot of like the depth is is one of the things that's oddly like an intriguing part to watch out for yeah normally but it's also, like yeah, just, it normally it's like the depth matters but i don't want to watch for the depth, you know kind of thing and i think this yeah this is a little bit intriguing yeah and it's it's going to be an exciting series i guess yeah so let's shift over to the central division i guess there's really like two quick two quick notes on the central division i guess the the first thing is i'll ask you because really with the top three spots have been locked up they have been since february if we're honest yeah yeah Uh, i i i think uh it's interesting to see the final spot and i guess i would i would take out chicago just based on how they've played in in the past two months of action or how to finish off the season i guess to take them out of the picture but it's really dallas who's kind of making that late season push they missed a lot of games in january february they just missed all those games the other and then Nashville, which struggled early on, but is I think now has the has that fourth seed. So I guess I'll ask you: is um, which team, which team do you think makes it in in that final spot in the Central Division? So a couple of weeks ago, I told you it's not going to be Dallas. Like it's not going to be Dallas because <laughs> at the time they were not even the fifth seed; they were the sixth seed behind Chicago. Um, and right now, but I did notice, and I did point out that their plus minus was actually good. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that's going to be, so right now they're down by two points with two games on hand on Montreal, on Nashville. 
they have a differential of plus 11 versus a Nashville at plus uh, minus five. Um, and then strength of schedule, if I remember correctly, they have a little bit of an easier strength of schedule than Nashville down the stretch. And so I do now believe it's going to be Dallas. It might not. It can go either way. These teams are not great teams. Either way, I think they're getting killed in the first round um, to Carolina. It's funny how, how oddly similar both teams are in the sense they both struggle on the offensive end. They play, have talent. They, they're talented defensively, so their t- defense is playing well. And then goaltending has been playing really well this season. I actually, I actually was thinking Dallas has the better goaltending duo when you include Ottinger and Anton Kudobin. But I have, I, I, I watched Nashville, I think, upset Tampa a few nights ago. And you watch how you say Soros has played, and it's kind of hard not to, not to think, it's kind of hard to pick against him where you think that he could just, he could just carry, they could make that playoff push with you say Soros the way he's been playing in net. And, and that's honestly, that's honestly the, the big thing that's, that's, in the back of my head, like I can't pick against Nashville just because of how he's played. I mean, the lot there are a lot of question marks on that roster, but like, but to see how he's played, I I think he'll carry over the duo of goaltenders for the Stars, and that like, that's kind of where I, that's kind of where I'm at right now. I see that as a definite possibility, but let me add on a point and transitioning to the other topic I got on in that division is. You talked about their upset against Tampa. Yes, Tampa is currently only uh, three points behind Carolina. They have not looked great since the trade deadline. No, they've looked good, but they have not looked great since that trade deadline. And then you have to factor in the fact that they're going to have Nikita Kucherov return the minute he's able to without having his contract affect the cap. Um <laughs> Because he's ready to come back now. Like, I think he's I think- actually been medically cleared, but they're not taking him off the list because of the way they traded at the deadline. They don't have the cap until the the there's a time period or whatever ends after I the like, last I like game. this idea that there might be concerns in Tampa because I think everyone secretly does ha- has zero doubt about Tampa. Like, even, even if they continue to struggle into the playoffs, everyone's going to be like, yeah, well, they're still probably the best team in the field. And I think it, it's, it's kind of hard to argue against. It's possible, but you got to take into account they haven't had Nikita Kucherov pretty much all year. Who knows exactly how he's going to look or how long it's going to take him if he truly is healthy right now. I think that's a factor. And I also think a little this happens every year. People are blinded by the previous Stanley Cup winner. Um, well, I mean, they, they also were the President's Trophy the year yeah, before. I think. Like until they won the Cup, they were. President's Trophy, I think the two years prior, they did not win it last year and they won the cup. And it's a horrible thing, but I think only the entire NHL history, only eight teams have actually won the cup um, winning the President's Trophy. Um, I don't remember if they won the President's Trophy last year or not. If they did, it would be nine. No, Boston won the President's Trophy technically. Yeah. So they, um, the two years prior that they did win the, the President's Trophy, one year they got swept by Columbus that first year with the president's mm-hmm. trophy, they got swept and the second year they lost. And so I think, I think there's a little bit of their, they up until last year, it was, ah, oh, they're the best team in the regular season and in the playoffs. They're, you know, good. Uh, and so I think especially with Nikita Kucherov out and the way they've been playing last couple of weeks to me, I know for a lot of people, they're blinded by that and they're, Nah, it's Tampa. It'll be fine. I'm not so sure. Uh, I think they could. Yeah, I think Florida I think it's could easy to beat them. <laughs> I think on that note, it's interesting. They made the they made the conference final five times in the past decade, but that's a different note. But like, it's very interesting. You mentioned Nikita Kucherov. How can he play into the roster? And I look at how they last year didn't get Steven Stamkos until the Stanley Cup final, but then he slid into the lineup and didn't see. Seem to have much difficulty. I wouldn't ignoring last season, the year before. I look at when I look at Tampa. You look at how how Victor Hedman has played, even this season. You look at how uh, Andre Vasilevsky in net has played. Where it's like when you kind of watch uh, the Lightning play a lot of times, 
the opponent scores a goal and you're like, that's the goal they'll get against Vasilevsky. He just doesn't allow, he's just not allowing three or four in a night. He has struggled, but he, but generally it's like, yeah, you can rely on him to allow one or two goals in the playoffs. Like he's that type of goalie. And then you just look overall, they have the player, the they still have the pieces there. Like the talent is there and you, you know that you can't doubt them. And I would, and even and looking at the field, I, I don't, I don't just under the same note, I can't pick Florida. I wouldn't pick Florida. I like the, everyone likes the hurricanes a lot. I, 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 I understand why. And I think they actually probably are the, the favorites to come out of the central division, but I, but yeah, everyone, I think everyone has the most confidence in the lightning just um, on the talent, not even the, not even the reputation, but like the talented roster, I think, and that's where I think I, I would stand with them right now. I I want to point out, even though I have my doubts, it's not like I'm saying, ah, oh, they're not good. They're whatever, you know. I still think they're very good, but I also think they play in a very fairly good division. I think Carolina is outstanding. I think over the last three years, Carolina has gotten better and better and better since they stunned everyone coming into the making it to the playoffs, and last year. And I think they're very, very good. I think they are underestimatedly good because they're from Carolina, who for years has been trash, even at, even withstanding the last two years. And they're a small team. They're a small market team for hockey. You know, I, I think a lot of people are underestimating Carolina, and I think a lot of people are underestimating Florida because, well, they're Florida. Um, so I think as opposed to when I'm usually like, yeah, Tampa's going to be Boston and uh, and um, and the uh, uh, Maple Leafs in their normal division. Yeah. Um, I don't see that. That's what I'm saying. I don't see them as the perennial favorite in that division like I normally do. I see them as they're very good and they could definitely do it. But right now I have more trust in Carolina than I do in them is really what it I boils down to. I think – I, I agree to an extent. I think it's a, a big three in the sense Florida, Carolina, and the Lightning. But I mean, it's hard. It's hard to pick against the Lightning, even just like matching when you match up. I think Carolina is a team. Yeah, they're very, they're very good. I think the question is, is can do they have one great goalie? They have two good goalies. I guess it's really just like matchup wise. Like do you, like I, they can make it out out of the Central Division, but uh, can they? Would they beat the Lightning in a seven-game series? I guess is the I personally question. But I think something that has been super under the radar this year is the Carolina goaltending man, um, Peter Mrazek. I mean, when he's played, Alex, when he's Alex played, has been yeah. yeah. Alex Nedeljkovic has been outstanding. A save percentage of nine three two and a goals against of one nine four. Peter Mrazek has a goals against of like one six, but he's only played nine games. Um, so I still personally believe that the Vesna is going to go to Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, I can't be certain now because the stats are weird and it's hard with few people playing games. I think Philip Gustafson has only played a couple. Jeremy Sawayman has played like three. So <laughs> I think it comes down to Marc-Andre Fleury and Philip Grubauer, though. Grubauer at a two goals against but I mean, and Fleury but at But I mean, yeah, away. with like the light, with the light, with the hurricane goaltending it's it's been very good this year the question is is there one is there one guy who's going to be able to carry them because usually it's that one goaltender that can carry a team and i wonder if that's what they it's similar with florida between chris drieger and sergey Bobrovsky. is do you trust one in particular to to make that run so i would like to point out with the canes the last couple years the biggest issue i have seen with them was their goaltending they had the speed, they had the power, they had everything pretty much. Their defense has been a couple whatevers, but well, now their not, defense is great. It's yeah, six units. It's six, yeah. But with Peter Morazic, I always thought he's good, but he's got his flaws. Mm-hmm. And watching Alex, yes, he's young. He's twenty-five, not terribly young, but he's younger. I don't know if this is actually – I think he played a couple games last year. I think he played like six games last year. So, essentially, I would call this his rookie season. And he's been phenomenal. Um, once again, he has the same issues that other young goaltenders that we've been talking about have where 
there are times where it could be whatever, but I think out of the young goaltenders that we've seen this year, he's the most consistent. Um, and he does have Peter Morazic, who's been playing very well as a backup. Uh, I would definitely call him a backup now. Um, and so I think they do. I know Vasilevsky's great. You know, he's, and it seems like in the playoffs, it's always harder to beat Vasilevsky. He's huge. It seems like every goal you get is, is tough, is hard, is, you know, you need to get a bounce kind of thing, but you just kind of need, you need to overwhelm him. I think, and it's kind of like when you look at the teams that have beat the Lightning in the previous years, it's the teams that have been able to just constantly get the puck on the net, just constantly get shots on net, constantly get open yeah, shots. Get a, and that's kind yeah, of what you need it's getting to do. a bounce. It's it comes and down I, to getting a bounce with him almost. But yeah, I do think Alex Nedeljkovic. Um, I I I would trust them, you know, even though they trust. two teams, right. but I would trust the Canes goaltending and that defense, man. This year that defense has been scary, and they don't have a yeah. shortage of offensive power. Uh, Sebastian Aho, Svechnikov, you know, I, I think Vincent they're going to be. Yeah, I think it's going to be a very tough team to beat. I mean, it's going to be exciting regardless. I think that's the ultimate. That's what that's what, like the lasting takeaway. Yeah, I guess I guess. I guess that's I guess that's for week. I kind of we got a, a lot of points in. I think we were a little bit more longer longer this week, but uh, it was great. It's great to get be back. Great talking hockey. I'm excited for the uh, next two weeks. That you have any closing statements, Shane? My only real closing statement is honestly, it's. How these teams finish, I think, is going to be huge because there's an issue in the league right now because of a lot of the games that were missed that the season is stretched out. The original end date was supposed to be the 11th. I think now games are being played till the 19th or 20th of May, I believe, because of Vancouver's whole issue. And then also in one other division, I can't remember that there have been a couple issues. So games have stretched out. We're going to have like two weeks of one game a night kind of thing. And so how teams respond to that off time, because teams that haven't had a huge screw up in their schedule are going to finish by the 11th. How is that time going to affect them? Some teams respond great to off time. Some teams respond horribly to off time. So Red Wings already played 51 games this season. So they're going to be like, all right, our season's our season's over. I think they played 50. Uh, so they only have like six to go or set or even less. And it's like, they played 51. Yeah. They played 51. So it is, it's, it's coming down to obviously the Red Wings aren't making the playoffs. So it's not a huge deal, but there are teams that have already played, you know, 51, you know, Nashville's played 51. Florida's played 51, uh, you know, in, in just in the central, the other divisions, most, the highest number is 50 really, but like, so that's the thing, this central division, good thing, the whole central division, but like, that's the other thing though, because they're, it's all in division play teams have around the same number of games, give or take a couple, except for Vancouver, the big outlier. And so I think that's, that's good for them this year because they're not literally sitting and waiting while other, the team they're going to play is still playing. Um, because everyone's playing each other. So, but I do think that is something we got to look out for in the next two weeks. Yeah. I mean, and also to see how teams uh, play down the stretch just from a hockey stand, from a hockey standpoint, I think. So, all right. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, tune in next time. Uh, we hope to keep pretty giving you some good content. Thanks for listening.